what we're going to talk about is, is our mental and our spiritual well-being. You know, the world has an awful lot to say about mental health, doesn't it? And what I want us to do today in the next few minutes is I want us to learn what God has to say about, about our spiritual and our mental health-being, our mental well-being. You see, I think I can talk for most of us here today when I say that I want to live a long and healthy and godly life, don't you? Yeah, you do. You want to live a long life. In that long life, you want it to be healthy, don't you? And you want it to be a godly life, and you want it to be an abundant life. I know every one of us do. That's the kind of life that we want. That's the kind of life that we want for our kids. A life full of joy and vitality and prosperity, free from oppression, whether that be physical or, or whether that be a mental oppression. We want to be free from sickness. That's the kind of life that you and I and every other person in this world wants to live. Amen? That's what everyone wants to live. I want to live the life, the kind of life that God wants me to live. And that's so important. There's a kind of a life that God wants me to live. Kind of a life that God wants you to live. God wants us to prosper. In all things, He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be in health. Just as your soul prospers. Isn't, isn't that good news? When you read that, does that not make you feel great? That that's what God wants for you? God wants you to prosper. Don't ever let anyone tell you that God wants you to be poor. Poverty brings no glory to God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Sickness does not bring glory to God. Some people will say that God put this sickness on me to bring glory to Him. No, He didn't. That's a lie. Sickness doesn't bring glory to God. Amen. Health brings glory to God. Prosperity brings glory to God. And that's what God said He wants for you and He wants for me. He wants health and prosperity and, and all those things because it brings glory to God. Amen? That's what I want in my life. That's what you want in your life? Absolutely. Yes, you do. I want to prosper in this life in every way that God wants me to prosper in this life. Amen? When I talk about prosperity, I'm not talking about having millions in the bank. No. It's not prosperity. He can be the richest man in the world and still live in poverty. Amen. That's the truth. And you can have millions in the bank and still live in poverty. And you can have zero in the bank. And you can be the most prosperous person in the world. I want to prosper as my soul prospers. Amen. I don't want to go through life being a shadow of the person that God created me to be. I want to be everything that God created me to be. That's got to be your goal in life. I want to be everything that He created me to be. I want to run my race, and in running my race, I want my race to glorify Him. I want to be running the direction that He orders my steps in. And I know if I run my race in the direction that God wants me to run in, and He orders my steps, then health, provision, prosperity will be in my path. Amen? That's what I'll pick up. That's what I will run in. Because that glorifies God. Amen? You know, no one who knows who God made them to be would want to be anyone else. You wouldn't. If you know who God made you to be, you would not want to be anybody else. You would not want to be Bill Gates. If you knew who God wanted you to be, you would not want to be anyone else. You would want to be exactly who God created you to be. And stepping fully into who God created you to be will be will be the greatest thing that you'll do in your life. Oh, you could climb Everest. Yeah. You could sail, circumnavigate the whole world in a rubber dinghy on your own. 
But the greatest thing that you will ever accomplish in your life is step into who God created you to be. Because everything else is just temporal. Makes no difference. Amen? You'll get accolades for a while. You might be on Sky News maybe tomorrow or next day. He'll forget about you. You still have to live out the rest of your life, don't you? We're going to talk today about how we should and how we need to be walking in the peace of God. Amen. Amen. This last election that we've just come through, thank God. Glory, I will be glad when a government is formed. Amen. But one of the main points, or some of the main points in this last election that we've just come through, were housing, health, and mental health. They were three of the major points. Now there was other points, but they were the three big ones. People, more people cast their votes on housing being an issue and health and mental health being an issue than any, any other issue. Mental health today is one of the biggest issues affecting so many families in the world. And not just in the world, it's a big issue in the church too. And we can't ignore it because it's an issue in the church. It is an issue in the church. It's an issue in the world. It's an issue in the church. We got to work this out, don't we? We got to get to a place where, you know, we can understand this and we can work this thing out. You know, I read an article recently that said today, children as young as four years of age are suffering mental health issues. Four years of age. Kids of that age are suffering mental health issues. I can hardly remember when I was four. Probably can't remember when I was four. But I do know when I was four, I didn't have any mental health issues. I wasn't concerned about anything like that. I didn't. I was more concerned about where my next food was coming from, when I was going to get to play next, when I got to go to... That. Today, kids have mental health issues at the age of four. But unfortunately, this is a reality in the world that we're living in today. You know, at the minute, I'm in the middle of reading a book uh, by Tyson Fury. You know Tyson Fury? He's the world heavyweight champion, boxer of the world at the moment. His book is called Behind the Mask. And I thought when I seen the title of this book, Behind the Mask, I think so many people live out their lives today living behind a mask. You know, there's this real person that we are, that when we're in private, when we're in our own thoughts, we're this real person. But then when we're out in public, we have this mask that we put on. A mask that's masking all of the issues that we're going through in life. And I thought when I, when I seen the title of this book, I thought, okay, this, this sounds interesting. He's going to maybe give us a, a view in behind the mask. And um, if you don't know Tyson Fury, there's a program on ITV at the moment where he's going behind the scenes. He's, he had a fight a few weeks ago fighting for the world heavyweight title again. Again, younger people, if you don't know him, his brother was on Love Island, not that I ever watch Love Island. Maybe you might know him from that. But he's a very colorful character, to, name the, to say the least. He first became world champion in November 2015. And after he became world champion, he made one defense of his title before he was overcome by depression, overcome by drugs and, and alcohol. And it nearly completely destroyed his life. He lost his world title shortly after that because he was not fit to fight anymore. And after he won his title, he said he, he fell head first after that fight into depression. He, he describes in his book, and I'm going to read you a few quotes this morning of, of, of his own words in his book. And he describes how after he won the world championship, that he went out and bought a Ferrari and had 
when he left the garage, he, he brought it out on the motorway and he raced it down the motorway at 150 miles an hour. You see, his intention in buying this supercar was that he was going to crash it and kill himself. That was his depression. Such was his battle that he was having with, with depression. He said that despite the world title, the millions of pounds, an amazing wife and kids, and the fame, he was still living every day with the pains of depression. He said, at that point, all I could see and feel in my life was pain. The bells, the acclaim of being coming, the world heavyweight champion of the world, the fulfillment of a lifelong dream in 2015 had only left a cold, hollow feeling inside that wouldn't leave him. It had meant absolutely nothing to him. You know, the problem that we have in our world today, it, it, this huge mental health issue that we have in our world today, is as big within believers as it is outside. And that is sad because we as believers have been given the peace of God. So where's it going wrong for us? If something is going wrong in something, you have to sit down and you have to take it apart and you have to look to see where it's going wrong and put it back together again. So I think it started to go wrong for us believers when we started to believe the lie over the truth. You see, if you believe a lie, you won't recognize the truth. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said he was the way, and Jesus said he was the truth. If you're looking for truth in life, you won't find it on RTE, you won't find it on BBC or in the Irish Independent or the Times. The only place that you're going to find truth in life is in Jesus. And when we go searching for truth in other areas, we are believing a lie rather than the truth. If your source for truth in life is in the Irish Times or in BBC News, then you're looking in the wrong place. Amen? We've got to look for all of our truth in Jesus. Jesus is the only source of truth and fullness of truth in our lives. And if you want to live a blessed life, you've got to learn to listen to what Jesus says rather than what the world says. Okay, you can watch the news and there'll be a format of truth in it. There'll be a, a, a smidgen of truth in it, but a lot of exaggeration. And everything that we look in in life and everything that we allow to, to come into our ears and whether it be radio or TV or whatever way we, we receive our news, we've got to filter that out through Jesus. Amen. People will come and say that this disaster is coming on the world and this disaster is coming on the world and we need to filter that through God's word and we've got to say, see what God says about it. You know, the world will not end until God says so. This age that we live in, until God is good and ready, we don't need to worry what anyone else is going to do. God is in control. Amen? Amen? But see, the problem for, for some of us and some people in the church is that we've allowed the enemy to speak into our lives. And over time, we've allowed his voice to become the prominent voice in our lives. And because of that, we can't hear God's voice clear enough. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he says, the thief does not come except to steal 
to kill and destroy. That's the enemy's plan, amen? To steal from you, to rob from you, to destroy you and your family and everything that's precious to you and to eventually to kill you. Kill your dreams, kill your hopes, kill your ambitions and kill and take you out. That's what the enemy wants to do. And he is fighting hard to bring his dream and his plan to, to fruition in your life. And if the only voice that we're hearing in our lives is his voice, then that's exactly what he'll do. He'll kill from you, kill your dreams, your hopes, your ambitions. He'll steal from you and he'll destroy everything in your life and everything that you care about. If he's the number one voice in your life. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Or some versions say, life to the fullest. Jesus has come to give you life. An abundant life. An overflowing life. A, a life that's, that's, that's abounding in all things. The life that Jesus come to, gave us, to give us is, is not a normal life. It's an overflowing life. Amen. It is an abundant life. It's a, it's a full life. It's a, it's a I lack nothing life. Contrast that to what, the, what he says about the, the enemy, the, the, the thief. He came to kill and steal and destroy and, and, and God came to give you life and that more abundantly. Which voice should you be listening to? We've got to train ourselves. We really do. We've got to train ourselves to hear the voice of God. In every circumstance, in every situation. See, the enemy wants to replace the voice of God, the voice of, of truth and peace and love in your life with his voice that never stops speaking condemnation, guilt, and death. John 8 and verse 44 says, He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. There is no truth in the enemy. Amen. When he speaks, he speaks lies. He is incapable of telling you truth. Amen. There is no truth in him. When he speaks, he lies. He speaks from his own resource. For he is a liar and the father of it. Let me tell you, in life, if you ever had a friend and you proved that friend to be a compulsive liar, I know they're not your friend today. There may be an acquaintance, but, but I'm sure that every one of us, if we had a person in our life that constantly spoke lies into our lives, we would pull away from them. Because the difficulty with a liar is you cannot never establish the truth when there's a liar in, in the building. Amen. This is why in a court of law, perjury is held up as such a high crime. Because if someone stands up in the dock and swears to tell the truth but tells a lie... How is the judge meant to establish whether he's telling truth or lie? You see, when the enemy speaks, he speaks lies. Because that's the, that's the well he speaks from. We've got to learn to, to tune our ears into hearing the word of God and walking in the peace of God. Amen? We're going to have to learn to switch off the enemy in our lives and his constant lies. We're going to have to tune him out and tune in the word of God. How do we do this? John 8, 31 tells us. Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my 
disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If you are a follower of Jesus, whether you be Jew or Gentile, Jesus said you will know the truth, and the truth is what sets you free. There is liberty in truth. There is captivity in lie. Amen? we got to choose the truth. Amen? Who do you want to follow after? Who do you want to listen to? The one who constantly tells you lies that will take you into captivity, or the one who brings you the truth that will set you free? We need to listen to Jesus. Amen? We need to learn to tune our ears into the truth of God and start walking in the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Peace is the abiding presence of the truth of God in your life. Amen. If you want peace in your life, you've got to have the Word of God in your life. The loudest voice speaking into your life has got to be the voice of God. Because He brings peace. If you lack peace in your life, if you, if you constantly are battling you know, uh, this, this enemy speaking into your life, you've got to replace it with the Word of God. Amen? Peace is a person. And that person's name is Jesus. Amen? If we are to live in the supernatural peace of God, and if we have Jesus in our lives, then the whole world can collapse all around you and you can still sleep through your night if you're walking and living in the peace of God. Mark 4 and verse 36 says, Then when, the multi- then when they, he left the multitudes, they took him along in a boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Right there in the middle of a huge storm where the wind and the, and the waves were, were beating off the boat. The boat was already filling up with water as in to fill the sink. Now Jesus was there with experienced fishermen who knew the water, who, who knew the winds, who knew how to sail. And these guys were losing their mind. And they came to Jesus and they found him asleep on a pillow in the stern of the boat. Why would you be worried if you had Jesus in your life? They woke Jesus up and, and Jesus was like, you know, what's, what's going on, lads? What are you worrying about? I'm with you. And he rebuked the storm. If you have Jesus in your life, you can sleep through any storm. Amen? Right in the middle of the panic, 
of this coronavirus that people are going on about today, we need to be able to sleep in the storm. Amen? Because we've got Jesus. And the peace of God surpasses everything. Amen? Psalms 91 and verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor by the arrow that flies by the day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destructions that lay waste at noonday. Listen, if you've got Jesus in your life, you've got that person of peace in your life. And everything that the world tries to throw at you, all the concerns of the world and the, the disasters going on in the world should not cause anxiety in you. Should turn you more to the peace giver of Jesus. Amen. Our hearts should be turned towards God in this time of viruses. And we should return towards the Word of God and say, hey, listen, I'm not worried. Why? Why am I not worried? Because the Word of God tells me that He will protect me from pestilences. You know, when you walked around as a child with your father, you didn't worry about anything that went on, did you? When your dad stood over you when you were seven and eight years of age, when your dad stood beside you, you didn't worry about the bully or you didn't worry about anything that went on in the world. You were with your dad. He got it. Amen? He was minding you. He was taking care of you. No harm was going to come to you while you stood with your dad. How much more today should we be confident when our Father God stands with us? That no weapon that's formed or fashioned against you or your family will prosper in any way, shape, or form against you when you got Jesus in your life. Amen? See, in Acts chapter 12, when Herod was going around having a great time persecuting the church, he had James, John's brother, he had him killed. And he saw that when he had him killed, he said, Oh, the, 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 the Jews loved it. They, they, they loved it. And, and, and they thought he was a great fella for, for killing James. So he thought to himself, you know what? I'm going to find a few more of these believers in the way and I'm going to have them persecuted. I'll have them killed too. So he went out and he sought after Peter and he had Peter arrested and Peter thrown into jail. So here's Peter. He finds himself hunted down by herd and arrested and locked up in prison awaiting what was going to be his execution. And in Acts chapter 12, it says that Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, verse 5, and, but he was constantly in prayer, or sorry, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, he's about to bring him out. He wasn't bringing him out for a chat. He was bringing him out to execute him. When Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping. Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and guards before the door where they were keeping him in prison. Peter was in chains between two soldiers 
in prison, about to be brought out to be executed. Can you imagine the fear? You could cut the fear with a knife. He knew what they'd done to Jesus. He knew what they'd done with Stephen. He knew what they'd done probably with several other martyrs. He knew what they'd done with James. And he knew that this was what was coming to him that night. It says in verse 7, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains from his hands fell off. How many times because of stuff going on in your life have you found it impossible to sleep at night? How many nights have you counted sheep? Have you saw every minute click on the clock beside your bed? How many nights, even though you were really tired, had you watched that clock going around until daybreak, hardly able to get 10 minutes sleep in because of circumstances that were going on in your life? Your mind wouldn't stop racing. Wouldn't shut down. You couldn't just go asleep for even an hour. So how come Peter, who was going to be brought out to be executed in the morning, was found fast asleep, chained to two soldiers with more soldiers surrounding him all around? How was he able to sleep? How come Peter, whose head was going to be on the block, was able to so soundly sleep that the angel had to come in and give him a kick to wake him up. The angel went in and he gave him a kick and he said, hey, hey, come on, up, up, up. It's like some of my girls on Monday morning when you're trying to get them up. That's where Peter was. He was flat out. The angel had to shake him, kick him to get him up. You see, if the enemy can control your thoughts, he can control your life. And Peter's thoughts were not on the enemy. Peter's thoughts were fixed on Christ. There's this, big, there's this great book out there called The Battlefield for the Mind, and it talks about how the enemy will go to war for the believer's minds to control them. Church, if you want to win the battle against the enemy, you've got to take control of your thoughts. Got to take control of your thoughts. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You got to watch what you think about yourself. As you think in your heart, so you will be. I don't mean if you think you're an astronaut, you should be able to fly a shuttle. Or a Formula One racer, you should be able to go out and race in the championship. No. It says, as you think in your heart, so you will be. It's talking about how you think about yourself. If you think you're a loser, that's what you're becoming. Amen? If you think you're sick, you're inviting sickness in. Your thoughts are seeds of what you're going to reap for yourself in days to come. You are becoming what you think. We need to start thinking positive thoughts about our lives. I'm only getting better. I know I'm getting older, but I'm getting stronger. I'm getting better. I'm not where I was yesterday, but I'm getting better. I'm advancing. I'm getting better looking. I'm getting stronger. My, 
my youth has been renewed like the eagle. You need to start thinking positive things over your life because the Word of God says the thoughts that you think about yourself is the direction that you're steering your life in. Amen. And I want to steer my life in the direction of prosperity, of abundance. Amen. Maybe getting older, but I'm getting better. Amen. We've got to learn to think positive thoughts over our lives, over our families over things that concern us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It says, casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that, any thought, anything that comes into your life that exalts itself over what the Word of God says about you, you need to cast it down. Amen. Anything that anybody says about you, anything that you say about yourself that goes against what the Word of God says about you, you need to take it captive and you need to cast it down. Amen. Bringing every thought into captivity and into the obedience of Christ. That means every thought that you think about yourself needs to line up with the Word of God and what God says about you. Amen. I am blessed. I am prospered. I am healthy. I am advancing. And every positive thought, they're the thoughts you need to be thinking about yourself. Amen. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we cannot control our thoughts, we won't be able to live this life in peace. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It says God will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is fixed on him. If your mind is fixed on God, he will keep you in perfect peace. Why? Because you trust him. Your trust is in Him. Amen? Your trust has to be in God. you got to trust in God. Even when everything all around you looks bad or looks negative, you got to say, hey, listen, I'm not working by my feelings. I'm working by what the Word of God says about me. I walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Hey, listen, if we all walk by sight, we'd be destroyed in a week. We gotta not walk by how things look, we gotta walk by how things we're believing things to be. Amen. We gotta trust wholly in God. And when we do, this supernatural peace that comes from Him will envelop our whole lives. John 14 and verse 27 says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives you, do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled nor let it be afraid. See, fear is not from God. Amen. Peace is from God. And it's peace that God came to give us. And it's peace that we need to be walking in. I mean, have you ever, 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 ever seen an anxious baby? Where it's worrying about where its next bottle is coming from where it's worrying about where it's going to get its next sleep. Babies don't worry. Amen. And neither should we. Amen. Jesus said that he has given us 
the ability to rest wholly and totally in Him. Just like newborns rest with their parents. Tyson Fury, who we talked about a few minutes ago, also said in his book, he said, a, a few months previously I was standing in the ring with the world's acclaiming me as the best heavyweight boxer on the planet. I was the man who had followed in the footsteps of such legends as Jack Dempsey, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, and Lennox Lewis. Yet now, as I drove along the motorway in this dream car, I was caught in the nightmare of clinical depression. I had it all, but I felt as if I had nothing to live for. There was no point to my existence. He said, as I came off the motorway and slowed down, I just knew it was time to leave all this torture behind. Right, he said. Come on, Tyson. Let's just get this over with. His mind was made up. It was in a place of meaningless. Nothing mattered. He said, I didn't matter. I looked at the upcoming bridge. That was the target. That was the end point. The Ferrari's engine roared back into life. It would be the sound. It would be the last sound that I would hear. In a couple of seconds, my mind would be clear, devoid of all voices that were boiling in my head full of stuff. I put my foot to the floor. The end was in view. Then, a moment before I was set to crash, a voice shouted in my head, no, stop, think about your kids. And I blasted past that bridge before hammering on the brakes. He said that's as close as he came to ending it all. He said he looks back now with relief and bewilderment at just how a person can enter such a state, suffocated by depression like he was. And he says, at that point, he said, he gives thanks to God. You see, Tyson Fury knows Jesus. Every time he goes into the ring, he prays, not only for himself, but he prays for his opponent. Every opportunity he gets in every interview, he thanks God. He gives God the glory. And even in his position where he, where he loves Jesus, he still could find himself being drawn into depression to such a point where he could end his life. But even at that point, he said, Jesus was still speaking to him. And he says he hasn't defeated his, his depression still, but he says when he does, he just speaks the word over his life. Speaks the word over his life. He said, without my faith, he would have committed suicide that day. God wants to give you abundant life. God wants you to Walk in and live in the abundance of peace. The peace of God in your life will surpass all understanding. Even when things look bad, we got to learn to tune out the enemy. He's got to learn to tune out the enemy in his life. We got to learn to tune the enemy out in, in our lives. And if we can learn to tune the enemy out and, and tune into the word of God, then we will learn to be able to walk in this supernatural peace that God wants us to walk in. Church, the word of God says that we should cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. Amen? 
We want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You know, this will be the biggest decision you ever make in your life. It will determine where you spend eternity. The Word of God says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. So if that's you today and you've never made that decision, please pray this very quick prayer after me. Pray, Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Jesus, save me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so that I can follow you and live for you. Thank you, God, that you are near me, that you will never leave me, that you will always be with me. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We want to pray a blessing over you as we leave you today. And that is, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.